Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And um, this, this message, when I was contemplating on what to call it, um, I was going to title it, It's Time to Go. Um, but I'm af- I was afraid that some of you guys might get up and actually leave. Um, so I changed the wording of that um, and decided that the message um, that I'm going to be speaking about today is it's go time. Now, in the beginning, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I don't expect you to turn to all of those, but um, hopefully you guys, um, as Pastor Jason, y'all plan on going to heaven early, okay, before everybody else, and that you've got your pen and paper and you're going to be taking notes, okay, because according to him, the note takers are going to heaven first, okay? So, um, but I'm going to reference a lot of those, so notate those. We're not going to even put them up on the screen because there's going to be a lot of them right in a row, okay? But here at our church at One Community, we've reached a crossroad. Over the past four years, we have been going at lightning speed. Our church has been able to do things um, and see things happen that it takes churches years upon years upon years to see. And you guys, God has done that in about four to five years here at One Community Church. And we've, we're at a crossroads. So now we're, we're, we've looked to the, we're looking to the left and we're looking to the right and we're praying about where God is taking us as a church for the future. And, we're vi- and God has given us vision and God has given us dreams. And we can see that coming to fruition right out here. In phase two, seeing our seeing the construction that's going on and us being able to take down that old building that was falling down. And, man, the, it's already starting to look great out there with the dirt work that's getting done. Here, hopefully, within the next week or so, we're going to see some more progress. But God is really doing some things at One Community Church. But we have come to a point in our services and with our teams that we've come to a crossroad. To where hopefully we're not thinking about stopping. Because hopefully that's not an option for you. But what it is, it's time for us to buckle down and push the pedal to the metal and let's go. It's time for us to go. Do you agree with me that this world is in shambles right now? Is it not? You know, do you agree with me that our world is full of so many different addictions more than any before? Do you agree with me that living the life of a born-again Christian with Christian morals and Christian values has become an anomaly? As a church, we should not be considering sitting here and playing church and going through the motions and say, you know what, I did my Easter and Christmas duty. I came to church. I dressed to the T's. You saw me. I smiled. I sat down. I came to church. Woe is me. Thank you. I'll see you next year. It's time to stop playing games, you guys. It is go time. 
You know, it wouldn't be, uh, you know, a a service that I speak in would not be complete, of course, if I didn't give you some useless facts, right? I know some of you look forward to those. My wife, you know, she just rolls her eyes at me when I just start spouting facts because I love driving College Avenue every single morning at the vet's office and just looking at what amazing, excellent, awesome facts are on the vet's office billboard every single morning. I love it. And she's like, Daniel, really? Because I'll drive by. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. She said, what? She said, do you have your AirPod in? I said, no. I said, the sign. She said, Daniel, come on. Okay? So, but of course, before we can really get into this, I want to make sure, because, you know, I got to give you a definition. So let's define the word go. All right? So Merriam-Webster defines the word go as to move on a course, to proceed, to travel to a place, to travel to and stay in a place for a period, to move out or away from a place expressed or implied, to leave or depart. To leave or depart. So this actually means an actual physical or mental action to go, right? So here's something that's very interesting. Here's my facts for today, okay? In the Bible, the word go is mentioned 1,542 times. I spent a little bit of time this week counting them. No, thank goodness they have something called the internet that kind of helps them with that, okay? But it is mentioned 1,542 times in the Bible. The word stay is mentioned in the Bible 62 times. Let that sink in for a second. Do you think that God wants us to focus more on going? Or do you think that God wants us to focus more on staying? Think about that. Of course, he wants us to go. How many of you know that I love you guys? Okay? I do. I really do. And so today, I'm going to be real, real with the church. Because I believe that it's time for us as a church to really stop um, hiding, to really stand upon, to let people know what our stand is. And I, want to, and I believe that God has given me a message today for the church that is for us where we are right now, okay? So let's take a look at Scripture. And I, I just want you to remember, I love you, okay? And Miss Norma, she's wearing her boots today, so she's ready. She knew that I was speaking, and she's ready for the Word, right? Okay, so let's look through through Scripture, and I'm going to give you some examples of when God is telling us to go, because spell the word gospel. What's it? G-O-S-P-E-L, right? What are the first two letters of the word gospel? It is go. Okay, so Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says that he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay? Psalm 126, 6. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. You know what? Nothing happens until we go. Nothing happens until until we go. 
Acts chapter 5 and verse 20. It says, go, stand in the temple and tell the people the full message of his life. You know what? Jesus said it, but you know what? Jesus also did it. Jesus replied in Mark chapter 1, verse 38, says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can, go, can preach there also. That is why I have come. Mark chapter 5, 19, after Jesus cast demons out of a man, Jesus said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Matthew chapter 13, 3, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Many of us in this room used to be in the habit of witnessing. Okay? But our get up and go has done gone up and went. Because we're not taking that stand that God has told us throughout Scripture to take. God's telling us to go. And I just gave us about ten examples of God telling us to go. None of those are staying. Remember, 1,500 times in Scripture it says for us to go. And less than 100 times, 62 times, did it tell us to stay. So this reminds me of a of a, a story, a football game that's being that was being played. You know, it was being played on a home field. The home team was just being smeared. Okay, had to be an LSU or a Texas game. Had to be one or the other. Um, I don't know which one, but it had to be just because the home team was just getting punished. Okay, um, I got the mic. Sorry, sorry, Carmen. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, the home team was just getting beat, and beat really bad. But someone in the sidelines, they kept yelling, give the ball to Anderson. Give the ball to Anderson. Okay, the home team, they run another play, and, of course, they are tackled behind the line of scrimmage. And, again, the, the, the voice from the sideline said, give the ball to Anderson. Third down happened. Again, another tackle for a loss. And the, the voice continues, give the ball to Anderson. And this ginormous of a person stands up in the middle of the field and says, turns to the sideline and says, Anderson don't want the ball. Okay? So this, this I'm afraid, unfortunately, that this is true in a lot of Christians today. That we want the pomp and circumstance. We want to look good. We want the people to see us. But yet we don't want the ball and the responsibility to run the ball for Jesus' glory. We want to be, we want to sit at the table. We want to, um, you know, Thanksgiving, you have to, you have to, it's required, isn't it, to unbutton the top button of your pants at Thanksgiving, Right. And so you can have plenty of room, or better yet, you just wear joggers and this and the sweatpants, and you're good to go, right? Okay, unbutton that shirt. Hey, bring on the food. But unfortunately, that's what we're a lot of us are like here at church. We come here, and as a new believer, okay, or someone new to the church, and we come here and we sit down at the table, and we sit there and we eat, and we eat, and we eat. And we continue eating. You guys, guess what? 
You can only eat so much at the table. You know why? Because God is calling us to go. God is not calling us to stay. Now, when I say stay, I'm not saying that God is telling us to go and leave the church. I'm not telling you that at all, okay? But what we are supposed to do is that we are supposed to, once we have sat at the table and we have gotten full of the word of God, that's when we go and grab others and bring them in so that they can be eat from the word and at the table as well. Gone are the days that we are here just idly by and playing games and playing church and going through the, emotion, through the motions of saying, you know what, I'm here on a Sunday morning. I'm coming to church. But we have got to go, guys. It is go time. There is a world that is dying. By, there's, they are dying day after day after day. And the people of the church are sitting at the table getting fatter and fatter because they're not willing to go out where they are and meet them where they are and bring them here to the house. You do realize that the voice on the sideline that we're hearing is God telling us it's time to go, right? So before turning to our text, I want to look at a scripture that shows us that this is a vital word for everyone. Okay, I know I asked you to turn to Luke chapter 14, okay, but, I, but before we go there, look, let's look at Luke chapter 10 and verses 1 through 3. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Verse 2, it says, He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Verse 3, it says, go. Now, I, I, I'm not, I do not claim at all to be an English person, but I do know that that is not a period. And that, that means that we should put a little bit of emphasis on that word before that explanation mark, right? Okay, it means go, and that, that, that's not a quiet go if you want to. It's a go. I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Okay, so let's take a look at our text in Luke chapter 14, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 23. Let's read verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is new and is, it is now ready. But they alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19, another said, I had just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I just got married, so I, can, I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets 
and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled. Bring in the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still, but there is still room. Verse 23. Then the master told a servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes. Make them come in so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. You know, Miss, Miss Tammy, you're, you're going to be proud of me this morning. She was my sixth grade teacher, if many of y'all didn't know that, about three years ago. Okay, um, <laughs> okay, but, you know, I did learn a few things in my sixth grade English class, okay? So in most cases in the Bible, um, translated the word go is what's called the present progressive tense, okay? So it is literally means that as you are going, okay, because it is the present progressive tense, so with that, that in mind, let's take a look at chapter, in verse 23 again. And let's, let's, let's fill, fill this out. Okay, then the master told his servant, as you are going, as you are going out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. As you are going. It's an understood that when the master says go, we go. We don't stay we don't ask questions. When God is telling us to go, we go. But we need help. We need structure, right? We need a plan. I don't ever want to go anywhere without having a plan. You know, this, this week, um, my family and I, we're planning on going um, to Dallas this next week. And I asked Barbie, I said, Barbie, what are we going to do? She said, I don't know. I said, okay. I said, where do you want to stay? She said, nah, I don't care. Okay. What do you want to eat there while we're there? Ah, it doesn't matter. Okay. So guess, guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be spending some time making a plan, okay? But God has laid out a plan for us in the Bible of how we should proceed and how, she, how we should go. Why did God leave us here instead of whisking us away at salvation? To take as many souls with us as possible. It's time to go. It's not time to stop sitting. It's not time to stop and sit still. And it's time to go to work. We've got a great thing here going on at OCC. And it's a high time that we share it with our community. So let me ask you, is the purpose of the fire company to put out fires or to keep the fiery truck shiny and the fireman's suits looking really nice and pretty? Which is it? It's both. They have to do both. There must be a balance between reaching souls and caring for the saints. There's a balance to that. But to forsake one for the other is displeasing to the Lord. So here's God's plan for our church. Are you ready? You got your notes? Taking notes. Pen and paper. Number one, let's Go and invite them in. So let's look back at our text, Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. 
Let's go get them. Let's go out where they are and bring them in where we are. But who do we go out and get? Who do we go out and get? Do we go and get the poor like Bartimaeus? Do we go and get the rich like Zacchaeus? The religious like Nicodemus? The sick like the impotent man? The wicked like the woman at the well? The people with different color skin like the Ethiopian eunuch? The working people like James and John who are mending their nets? The political people like Cornelius? The social people like Lydia? The little people like the children Jesus spoke, with, spoke about in Matthew chapter 19? Is that who we go out and get? On this specific occasion, God was telling, or Jesus was giving us an example of I want to sit at the table with sinners, with the lost. Who are you wanting to sit at the, sit at the table with? Are you wanting to sit at the table with people that look and act just like you? That is not what we are called to do. We are not called to go out and get people that look, act, and um, just conduct life exactly the way that we do. We're not called to do that. We're called to go out and get to sinners and bring them in so that Jesus may sit and sup with them. This reminds me of a story that is, that's told about a little girl in England who came running home from church one day saying, Mommy, 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 my name is in the Bible. My name is in the Bible. She was so excited that her name was written in the Bible. And the mother answered the ch child, said, Edith, honey, your name's not in the Bible the little girl pers persisted and said, Yes, mother, the preacher said that Jesus receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Okay, what a blessing it is to know that only, not only is Edith's name in the Bible, but so is yours and mine. Why does it say that? Because Jesus eateth with sinners. Mm. Do you know why we are here to go and to bring them in? We are here to bring them in so that Jesus can eateth with them. Where should we go and get them? Jesus said into the world, he also said into the streets, into the alleys, into the highways, into the hedges, we cannot expect the lost to come to us. Do you hear that? We cannot expect the lost to come to us. We must go out and invite the lost in. We bring them in. God is leading us to the thirsty. He is leading us the seeking and the interested. And there are many. So after we bring them in, number two, what do we have to do? We have to instruct them. Let's go and instruct them. I really like how Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 reads in the message translation. Jesus said, Then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you. After inviting folk, 
We must then instruct them. Step two of God's plan for the church is all about discipleship. It's all about discipleship. Training and teaching the ones that we have invited. Now, let me remind you. I love you, you, right? You remember that? I told you that at the beginning, right? So here's a question for you. Who's supposed to teach the little babies? Who's supposed to teach the preschoolers? Who's supposed to teach the elementary school-aged kids? Who's supposed to teach the teenagers? Who's supposed to teach the college, the college kids? Who's supposed to teach the single mother? Who's supposed to teach the divorcee? Who's supposed to teach the addict? If, if you think that the answer to all of those questions is our four pastors at our church, can I tell you something? That's incorrect. That's not correct because we cannot do it all. But what we are doing, we are multiplying ourselves into you guys. So when it says, who can teach this? Guess what? We all can. Because it's all our responsibility, you guys. Going out and bringing people in is not just my responsibility. It's not just your responsibility. It is all of our responsibility to go out into the world, to minister, bring people into the house of God so that they can be fed. This is one-on-one. This is doing life with each other. This is mentoring. This is not just classes and preaching to where we just sit and stand in front of everybody. This is life. This is being one community. It's time for us to push away from the table and to stop saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, and start saying, how can I serve? How can I teach? How can I instruct? The point that I am trying to make is that it is time for many of you to become disciplers because there are many who need to be discipled. Step three to God's plan for our church is to let's go and inspire them. Let's go and inspire them. There is a need for Christians to be alive, to be alert, to be awake. There is a tremendous need for zeal and inspiration. The message is exciting here at One Community. There is no place like this place anywhere near this place. So guess what? This must be the place. I'm going to say that one more time because I didn't get the response that I was expecting on that. Okay, so let's, let's see. Rewind, okay? Let's do this. There is no place like this place anywhere near this place, so guess what? This must be the place. You guys, I hear time and time again that people that will come here and visit, and they said, I've never experienced anything like One Community Church. I've never experienced it. 
There's something that's just different. It feels different. When I walk in the doors, people actually smile at me and are glad that I'm here. To where they don't, there are churches, and I'm not going to mention any churches' names, okay? But there are churches to where you can walk in the back door and you can come down and sit on this second row and no one ever says a word to you. There's something different about one community church. Just like this morning, you know, we've got a good mix of of new contemporary worship. And then also, we don't hesitate to pull from the past and what has brought us to where we are now. Okay, we're not trying to impress anybody with the light show and the lasers and the smoke and the fog. We're not trying to do that. But what we are doing is we, are, we come here with a pure heart, with one, met, one thing. We are in one accord and we are worshiping God. The point I'm trying to make I've worked in several great businesses in my 20-plus years of life on this earth. Just 20, okay? Just a couple, Um, okay? But can I tell you something? Doing what I do on a week-in and week-out basis, there is no greater business in the world than doing God's business. There is nothing more satisfying than doing the work of the Lord. Because what is so beautiful is that I get to see the broken come in and God to mend those lives and to mend those hearts. I get to see families and marriages that are on the brink of ending and I get to see those that they lean into God and God mends those relationships. This is the greatest business in the entire world. So many people will enter here like cold fish. And the strength, their strength is just completely drained out of them. They carry a frown on their face. They may walk in a little stooped over. The weight of the burdens is just obvious on their face. But when they come to church... We need to charge their battery. We need to be an outlet that they can connect to. We must make a volcano out of them. Some of us are talking about getting all excited. There's a great need to get people fired up and filled with the enthusiasm of God and experience what God is doing here at One Community Church. Can that happen when they walk in and nobody is there to greet them? Can that happen when people are judging them, meeting them at the door because they might look a little different, they might smell a little different, they may, they may not look exactly the way that we do, can we make that difference? Can, will that happen if that is what we are doing on a week-in, a week-out basis? Do you think that people are going to be inspired in church when everyone else walks around just as defeated as they are? You guys, we are made overcomers. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7 in the Amplified Version. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy 
in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who have no need for repentance. When we get saved, when we, are, when we get saved, sanctified, and set free, we should be excited. When others in our church and people are getting saved and people are being healed, we should be excited. When the addict comes down, gives their life to Christ, and says, no more, I'm ready to live for Christ, we should be excited, you guys. Can I tell you something else? When a, when a marriage is healed and saved from disaster, we should be excited, church. God is doing all of that here at One Community Church. We should be excited. If heaven is excited, guess what? We should be excited. Once people are invited to come to Christ, instructed in the ways of the Lord, and then inspired to do the work of God, then it's time for us to step on to step number four. And let's go and involve them. While I was preparing for this message, I got to thinking, that this plan, that this structure that God is revealing to us sounds pretty familiar. And, I'm, and I asked God, I said, God, what are you trying to tell me? Does it sound a little familiar to you? And no, I'm not just talking about the Great Commission. Okay? That wasn't it at all. But then it dawned on me, what's the vision of our church? To know God find freedom, to discover our purpose, to make a difference, to know God. Go out and invite them so they can come in and hear about God, right? So they can know God, so they can find freedom. Go out and instruct them. Find freedom, discover purpose, go out and inspire them, make a difference, go and involve them. What? You guys, the plan that God is calling us to do is the very vision of our church. We must be ready for what is coming. I know that you have already seen this before, but I want to reiterate something that Pastor pointed out to us back in January, okay? That this is an ongoing process. This is not just a checkbox one, two, three, four. But you guys, it's an ongoing process that as we know, as myself, as I know, know God, find freedom, discover my purpose, and I make a difference, I go out and make a difference by bring, bringing people in so that they may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, and they make a difference by going out and bringing people in that other people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. You guys, it's an ongoing and ongoing process. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to get excited because God is bringing people to one community church, and I'm ready to be a part of that. Are you, church? I'm, I mentioned earlier that I am just that I'm just full of random facts and, and information, but I gather that information by just reading just random news articles. You know, not just, not just the billboards driving down College Avenue, um, but I, I'll read just, just crazy things. And I'll say, Barbie, I was reading an article the other day, 
and she just immediately rolls her eyes. Because she never knows what kind of information I'm going to share with her. <laughs> okay? But I recently read an article about a tribe of natives in South America jungle who learned that the leaves of a certain type of tree would give them extra energy and strength and would keep them from getting hungry. So what did they do? Well... It became an everyday part of their diet. They began to eat this tree. And I'm, and I'm not talking about just an occasion nibble here or a nibble there. They ate it regularly. They seemed strong and energetic and very seldom did they ever get hungry. They thought that they found the fountain of youth. That something that would just save them and keep them and sustain them forever. Well, what happened? They, a few days later, some of them died. And then more and more of them started dying. An investigation revealed that they had starved to death. And you're like, what? But they've been eating. The leaves had tranquilized them. And it tricked their bodies with a false drug-like energy. You guys... It is very, very obvious that Satan has had great success in getting Christians to be perfectly satisfied with where they are. Perfectly satisfied with their routine of playing church. Perfectly satisfied with taking part in the formalities of a service carrying on the functions of a social club. Oh, wait, excuse me. It wasn't a social club, a social ministry. And thinking that they are pleasing God. But as what really has happened is that they have stumbled and that they have fell. They have fallen to the ground. And instead of getting up, they laid there and are now spiritually dead. The only answer to this is to get back to the basics and going after people, carrying out the Great Commission. It's time to go. It's time to go. I've got a special video that I would like for you guys, if you would, take a time and turn, turn your attention to the screens for me.
this young lady, Heather, she could have easily have given up. She could have said, you know what, I've fallen. There's no way that I can win this race. Especially in this type of race, 600 meter run. You guys, this is three laps, um, three laps around a short track indoors. And on the second lap, going and finishing the second lap, she's tripped and she falls. In life, have any of you ever fallen? And when you fall, you have a choice to make. You can stay down at where you are and wallow around in your circumstances and where you are. Or you can get up and run your race. You guys, there are many people here in this room that we've not been doing what God has said that we should do. We've fallen. When God has told us to go, we've stayed. And you guys, there is a world that is hurting. There may be people in here that are hurting. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe it's you that have fallen, that's fallen yourself. You have got a decision to make this morning. You can stay and give up because there's no way that she, you could catch what God is trying to do. God has this goal and this calling that you've fallen. Guys, I've been there. I've fallen. And I knew that God had placed a calling upon my life at age 12 years old to preach the gospel to, his, to the up-and-coming generation. God placed that calling on my life at 12 years old. But you know what? Life's hard. We get knocked down. We get kicked down. We may get pushed down. We may get tripped. We all fall. But don't stay there, church. Don't stay there. Because I promise you, in 2008, I could have easily waved the right flag and said, you know what? I'm good, God. Find somebody else. But God has another plan. God had another plan for me. God's got a plan for you. So we need to determine. It's time for us to determine that it's go time. And we need to do like Heather did. She got up off the ground. She ran the race. She pushed through the discomfort. She pushed through the unexpected. She pushed through the pain. She pushed through the emotion. And she did what she has been training for years to do. You guys, it's go time.
But first, my altar team will go ahead and come forward. Right now, I want everybody to really think about this because I really feel that right now, there are people that can't go until they first come. So there are people here today that say, Pastor Daniel, I need to come to Christ first. I need to, I, I've fallen and I need Christ to help me out. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.